The new year gives us that opportunity to look back and it gives us that opportunity to uh, go forward. I just want you for, for a moment to, to think about, and maybe if you're taking notes, to, to write down what are you hoping for? What are you dreaming for in 2024? What are your aspirations? Maybe some of you are thinking of uh, graduating. Maybe lots of you are thinking of fleeing the island and getting somewhere else. I don't know. But, but just think for a moment what it is you are hoping and dreaming of for 2024. There may be things that you are happy to leave behind. There may be things that you are sad uh, to leave behind. Maybe you can think back to this time last year. Maybe you were making resolutions. And maybe you have got New Year's resolutions for this coming year. I'm not going to ask you to show your hands, but I'm sure that some of you have, have thought through some New Year resolutions. And New Year's resolutions actually apparently started 4,000 years ago. Can you believe that? I didn't realize that. But 4,000 years ago, it said that the uh, ancient Babylonians started the tradition of New Year's resolutions. Their, their New Year started at a slightly different time. It started uh, when the uh, first moon after the spring equinox had happened. And they had, guess what? They, they knew how to celebrate these guys. 11-day festival. Yeah. I was talking to the guys downstairs. They're working today. It's New Year's Eve. But they said, we are going to get tomorrow off. Can you imagine speaking to a Babylonian? We are going to get the next 11 days off. And in those 11 days, they, they, they set themselves up resolutions for the coming year. And, and the, the thought process behind these resolutions was to get themselves in good standing with the gods. And, and they, were, they were planned to get themselves out of debt or be less gluttonous. Or, or to return borrowed items. Apparently, these are the uh, top uh, resolutions of Americans for 2024. Nearly 60% of Americans have decided that they're going to save more money. That's their resolution. 50% have said they can exercise more. If, you, if you're thinking the math doesn't work, you're allowed more than one choice. So, 79 to eat healthier. 40 to spend more time with, with, with family. Uh, to lose weight. To reduce spending. Uh, to spend less time on social media. And how are they going to achieve this? To, to reduce stress on the job. But people have resolutions. They go into the new year with a resolution. They go into a new year thinking of this is what's going to happen in this coming year. I wonder how many of those people had made those same resolutions last year. I wonder how many of that 50% did exercise. It certainly doesn't seem like it's an attractive thought to eat healthier when you're in the US. There's lots of lovely unhealthy food to eat there. And I imagine that a lot of these resolutions didn't sort of stand out or work too well. But often as we go from an old year into a new year, one of the things that we do is we often wish peace upon people in the coming year. 
peace and goodwill to all men. Is a, it's a phrase you've probably heard. It's probably something that you've heard a lot. And peace is something that uh, a lot of people want and a lot of people desire and a lot of people look for. And, and maybe your idea of, of a good new year would be a new year that is peaceful. And the passage we are looking at this morning is the same passage that we read uh, we're not going to go through the whole of chapter 5 of Romans. It's just going to be the first uh, five verses we're concentrating on. And this is one of the passages we looked at a couple of weeks ago when I was talking from 1 Corinthians 13, 13 about faith, hope, and love. And as we go through this passage, we're going to see faith, hope, and love. But just as we go into the new year wishing people peace, the first point I want to bring out to you is faith brings peace. Faith brings peace. Verse 1 of this chapter 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This last year, 2003, has seen much fighting across the world just across uh, almost a, less than 100 miles away from where we are now, there is that war going on in, in Gaza and in Palestine and in Israel. And not so far over in that direction, we have the war in Ukraine. And then there's hurt and pain in Yemen and in Ethiopia and in parts of Nigeria. There, there, there's violence around the world and for many, peace in 2004, 2024, sorry, is for those situations to have peace. And maybe that's what you have in mind when you think of peace. But that, that, that's not what this passage is about. There's much, much more to it than that. Just this last year, I, I met up with someone I knew a long, long time ago. He was a young person who was in a young people's group. He's, he's now a, a politician in the UK. Uh, and when I was asking him what I could pray for him, he, he said to me he wanted peace. Now, he wasn't living in, in, in a war zone, but he's living under the pressure of life. And, and the pressure of life brought stress upon him, and, and he just said, I, I, I want peace. I want peace of, of mind. I want peace so that I can go to sleep and, and, and not be, be all stressed and harassed by everything that, that's going on. But this is not the peace that this passages particularly talking about. A, a mother of, of young children longs for peace at home. The children are running riot. And the mother just wants some peace and some quiet. But this is not the peace that this passage is talking about. This passage is talking about a peace that comes out of being justified. It's very clear, isn't it? Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. And so the peace that this passage is talking about is a peace that comes out of being justified. It's not any old peace. It is peace with God. So why do we need peace with God? What's the big deal of, of having peace with God? As we go into this new year, why is peace with God so, so important? Well, there is so much unrest in this world, isn't there? 
So much distraction, so much grasping for something. Everyone wants something more. We, we talk about this world being like the rat race. And everyone's wanting to, to, to get on and get better. And, and, and maybe you're, you're caught up in that. And, and part of the reason that we are in that situation is because there is an emptiness. There's a void within our life. There is a lack of peace with God. And often we don't see that. And often we don't want to see that. But the reality is when God made this world, he made it in perfection. It was perfect. And Adam and Eve, the first humans, were, were made in the image of God and they were made for relationship with God. And God's word teaches us that there was a practice that Adam and Eve had that at the end of the day, after their working day had finished, and yes, in a perfect world there is work, but it's perfect work and it's not a problem, and then at the end of their day of, of being in the garden and doing the work and caring for things, God came and talked with them. Isn't that an amazing thought? There was this relationship between God and his creation, his, his human beings. He created Adam and Eve were there. But this relationship was, was smashed. This relationship was ripped in pieces when Adam and Eve exercised the, the, the perfect free will that they had. They were perfect. They could do what they liked. And there was one rule, and the one rule was don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was one rule. And there was rebellion. Adam and Eve took the fruit. Adam was off duty, wasn't doing his work. Eve was there, the snake tempted, and the relationship with God was broken. And ever since then, every single human being that has come into this world has come into this world with a broken relationship with God. But not only have they come into this world with a broken relationship with God, they've come into this world with an emptiness that only God can fill. And this emptiness and this broken relationship with God is bigger than those words. Because God is perfect. He hates sin. And God's justice and perfection demand justice. And yes, God has made everything beautiful in its time. And he's put eternity into man's hearts. But we cannot be right with God because there is a barrier between him and us and it is our rebellion and it is our sin. We, we, we cannot justify ourselves. We cannot repair this broken relationship. We can't go up and knock on God's door and say, here, have a bowl of fruit. I would like to be your friend. Oh, God, look, I will do this and this and this for you. Please accept me. It's broken. It's smashed. And the Christmas story that we've just been celebrating remembers the birth of Jesus Christ. God himself incarnate in this world. Fully human and, and fully man. And, and Jesus came into this world as we quoted in previous weeks and we, we know so well from Matthew 21. 21. He came to save his people from their sins. You see, we've been 
justified by faith. And, and this is through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world to save his people from their sins. Our justification, our being made right with God, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are made right with God by Jesus' work on the cross. Jesus, when he was on the cross, did that to justify us. He took the sins of his people. And anyone here this morning who is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, that's what Christ was doing on the cross for you. And, 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 the, and this is what we enjoy. This is how we can have peace. You see, the link between justification and being peace is, being by, is by faith. God justifies us. We are justified and we're made right with God and then we're at peace with God. And how does that happen? How does that go on? Well, Christ died on the cross to, to pay the price for our sins so we could be justified. But how do we get ownership of that? How does that become connected to us? Where is the connection? And it's by faith. It's not our faith that saves us. It's by faith that we are saved. It's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Jesus that saves us. But the link that draws us to that salvation is faith. Is believing. Is what, thank God, we're speaking to, to, the, to the children about. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. You have to believe that Jesus took your sins on the cross. You have to believe that the wrath of God was poured out upon Christ, His own Son, for your sins. And, and if you believe that, you are justified. You are made right with God. Your sins are, are dealt with. They're, they're removed as far as the east is from the west. And, it, and if you believe that, it will bring you to a place of peace. This place of peace is a peace with God. And, and, and those of you that are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for your sins to be forgiven, you will know that peace. And you will know what life was like before. And you'll know that there was a striving and there was an emptiness. And now it's changed. Now it's filled. Is it perfection now? No, not yet. But that is going to happen. But there is a change. And you see, this, this peace comes at a cost. Writing to the Colossians, Paul says of Jesus in, in 1 Colossians 19, he says, For in him, this is talking Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Just underlining the, the, the amazing fact that Jesus was man and fully man and fully God at the same time in that amazing way. And then through him, reconciliation to himself of all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This peace that we have with God through Jesus Christ came at a cost. And the cost was Christ dying and shedding his blood and taking upon himself the judgment that we deserve. Romans 6.23 simply puts it like this. The wages of sin is death. 
That's what your sin deserves. That's why there is no peace, because death is what we deserve. And this death is, is more than just dying. This death is the, the full wrath of God, as Jesus was explaining it to his disciples in, in Matthew 25, in verse 41. He talks about the, the, those that are on the left side and those that are on the right side on the day of judgment. And on the left... Those that are not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The wrath of God for the sins of anyone who is unrepentant, the wrath of God for the sins of anyone who is not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ will come out over eternity. That's why people are not at peace. And the only way we can be justified in a righteous way is if that price has been paid and that price has been paid. And then friends, this is, this is the good news of the gospel. You see, this is the good news that faith brings peace. We are justified by faith. We have peace with God. But there is a cost. And so often we are tempted to think that we can pay this cost. And maybe you are here today thinking that this is part of your paying the cost. And maybe in your wallet or your pocket or your envelope there is a tithe or an offering that you're going to drop and you're thinking this is the cost. This is what's going to make me right with God. And in your notebook at home, there's resolutions for this coming year. I am going to read my Bible. I'm going to be kind to my mother. I'm going to look after this person. I'm going to do these things. And you're working out how you can make yourself right with God. And you can't. Nobody here, nobody in this world can make themselves right with God because God demands perfection and nobody is perfect. And so we have this situation where we need to be justified and to be justified there is a price to be paid and grace picks up the bill. Grace picks up the bill. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those sort of TikToks or social media things where the, the person in, in, in the front of the queue pays for the person behind and, and they come to the queue to, to get their food or whatever, or their fuel, and they're told that they're paid and it's all wonderful and they're all smiley. Well, that's a kind of grace situation going on there, yeah? There's a notion there what this is like, but this is, this is far more. This is far more than a few hundred TL or a few thousand TL for a tank full of petrol or whatever it is that person's done. You see, grace picks up the bill. Your sins deserve the wrath of God for eternity. Your sins deserve God's fury and anger being meted out upon you. But grace brings hope because grace picks up the bill. God's grace has been described like this as, as an acrostic. God's riches at Christ's expense. 
It's simple. It's not perfect. But it's a great way of seeing grace. God's riches. We've got peace with God. How have we got peace with God? At Christ's expense. We can only have peace with God if our sins have been dealt with and they have been dealt with by Christ. It was at Christ's expense. Verse 2 of this chapter 5 of Romans says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Without grace we cannot stand before God. But with God's grace we can stand. And it's like this, friends. If I can explain it like this. Faith is the switch. And, and grace is is the mechanics that makes the switch work. Grace is, faith is how we interact with it. But grace is what makes it work, yes. When you, when you switch the light on and it comes on, it, you, you haven't made that light come on. You, you press the switch. That, that's your interaction with it. You're, you're switching it. You've got faith that when that happens, the electricity comes around and the light comes on and there's a mechanism that makes it happen. Grace is the mechanism that allows us to come in faith and be saved. We do not deserve to be justified. Nobody here deserves to be made right with God. We all deserve God's eternal condemnation. We cannot earn our peace. You could sit cross-legged doing yoga for the rest of your life, chanting mantras, and you will not have peace. You can turn over a new leaf and be perfect from this day till the day of your death and never sin again. But the sins that you've done before will preclude you from God's righteousness. We cannot earn our peace with God. But grace. Grace has come in. And, and Paul in Ephesians in chapter 2, and those well-known verses in verse 8, explains it like this. For by grace you've been saved. Through faith. Grace is the mechanism. Faith is, is the way, the road, if you like. And it's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one can boast we're not to boast here in our works, and we cannot boast in our works because we are to boast, we are to rejoice in our hope. And our hope is this grace that's been given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's really interesting that the word here that we have in this passage that talks about us rejoicing in hope that, that, that word rejoicing it comes from the original, which, which means to boast or brag about. We're not to boast about our works. We're not to boast about our works. But we can boast and brag. We can rejoice in the hope that grace brings. Grace brings hope. And that's the good news for us as we go into 2024. Grace brings hope. There may be lots of things that you are hoping for in 2024. Lots of things. Your list might be long. You thought about it earlier, didn't it? And this verse doesn't mean that God's grace will deliver all that you're hoping and dreaming of. And tragically, around the world, there'll be many people shouting at you and telling you that that is what's going to happen in this crossover period. 
that God's grace will give you just what you want and will provide your better year and your, your year of, of deliverance and your year of money and your year of wealth and your year of finding a partner and your year of perfection and all that rest of it. And that's not the promise of hope here. The promise of hope here is far more. The promise of hope here is being made right with God and having peace with God. Uh, and, th- and this hope comes out in two scenarios. Th- th- there's two scenarios of hope here. And both of them are for God's people. Both of them are for you who know that your sins are forgiven. The first is a hope in the glory of God. Don't ever rush over that verse. Don't ever just think, oh, the glory of God. This is so deep and so amazing. It is incredible. The glory of God is where God is. The glory of God is eternal. The hope that you receive through the Lord Jesus Christ is an eternal hope. The, 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 the void, the emptiness in your life is an eternal emptiness that needs an eternal solution. And the only solution is through God himself and it's God's glory and it's his eternality that make the difference. Anything that you hope for in this world is transient. You, you probably came into 2023 hoping for things. Some of you are hoping to graduate. And praise God, you did graduate. And now what? That's history. You've got a piece of paper, a plaque. I graduated. Congratulations, by the way, for graduating. You shared that with us earlier. But it happened. That hope has happened. It's transient. It's finished. What are you hoping for next? And anything that we're hoping for in this world finishes and ends. A few weeks ago, we were hoping for our son Noah to come to Cyprus. And we're excited. And the hope came and he was here. And now he's gone. The hope is gone. Things in this world are for a moment. But this hope of glory in God is for eternity, friends. And the world is selling you short. And charlatan preachers are selling you short and saying it's for the moment. Have this, have that. And it's not what it's about. The glory that we have, the hope that we have, is an eternal glory. And your salvation will mean that you are part of God's glory and God's eternal glory. And you will enter into experience this glory for yourself when this world ends. And when the new heavens and the new earth appear, you will be part of that. But friends, the hope you have now is you are seated in heavenly places. This is yours. It's a reality. The hope that grace brings turns everything around. It moves from the deepest, darkest hopelessness you can imagine to the brightest future ever. Revelations 21 puts it like this in verse 4, talking of heaven, talking of God's glory, talking of the hope that we have in Christ. And he will wipe away every tear. We've cried tears in this church over this last year. There's been pain, and there's been suffering, and there's been separation, and there's been death. but it's not without hope. Because, friends, there is a day when he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. 
There shall be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. No one coming to my Rachel and saying, can I have a paracetamol? Pain will have gone. Bones won't get broken. Arthritis won't happen. Heart attacks won't be there. Tumors will be dealt with. Christ will reign on his throne. And this is the hope. And if you have been justified by faith through grace, you are going into 2024 with eternal hope, friends. You're not just hoping that you're going to get some money in 24. You're not just hoping that you're going to get a house in 24. You've got eternal hope that's going to go on forever and ever and ever. But alongside this eternal hope, there is hope in afflictions. The the, the hope of of the justified doesn't just stop there with this eternal notion. The, the, The passage doesn't promise that you'll receive your best life now. But it does promise. It does promise that grace will bring a sense and an understanding in the moment that will allow you to rejoice no matter your circumstances. It doesn't promise your hopes and dreams. It does says very clearly in verse 3, not only that, not only this hope of glory that we have, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I was going to ask for an amen. This is what we need. This is where we're at. We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And that hope does not put us to shame. It is highly unlikely that you will get your wish list of hopes. You know, that, that what you're hoping for, you read at the very beginning, that's probably not going to happen this year. It's quite likely this coming year will be messy in one way or another. Things will happen this year that will surprise you. But don't despair. Don't despair, friends. This passage is telling us that the challenges that we go through are part of God's plan. That the sufferings that you go through are part of God's plan. It's not God forgetting you. It's not God punishing you. It's not this God having a little laugh at your expense. This is a reason and we're to rejoice as we go through these sufferings because it's a purpose and the purpose as we have laid out for us here is to produce endurance. And what are we enduring for? What are we carrying on for? Because our character has been changed and been transformed into the character of the Lord Jesus Christ and this brings us hope and this hope doesn't put us to shame because God's promises never fail and so this suffering that you have had over this last year is not wasted it's producing endurance and friends if you go into a season of suffering in this coming year you do not have to despair you are not to despair you are to rejoice And then you can say, how can I rejoice? Because you need to take yourself out of this time frame of looking at the moment and looking beyond the moment and saying, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this pain, but I know there's a purpose. And I know this purpose will be to your glory. And I know that this purpose will be to my good. Because that's what you've promised, God. You've promised so much for us in this word. 
And when I endure, my character will be molded a bit more to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to be more Christ-like? I trust you do. But that process will bring suffering. But that suffering brings character. And that character produces hope. And that hope is not put to shame. A commentator on this passage, John Winter, put it like this. A believer's hope, since it is centered in God and His promises, does not disappoint him. That is it. As we go through our hope, when it's centered on God and centered on his promises, it does not disappoint. Disappointment means put to shame because of disappointment is in an unfulfilled promise. There is so much disappointment in this world because it's looking to the world to satisfy promises that the world cannot keep. Ultimately, the glory of God will not let you be put to shame. And you will be able to look beyond the moment and look to eternity. And as Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4.17, he says, for this light momentary affliction, this light momentary affliction, he went through some heavy stuff. There's a whole page of it, lists of it, shipwrecks, snake bites, stonings, killings, all of the manner of a mess. And he says, oh, it's light. Why is it light, Paul? Because it's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Friends, as we go into 2024, we shouldn't be looking to 2024. That's where we go wrong. We should be looking to this weight of a glory beyond all comparison. We're not to look at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. That is our hope, friends. For the things that are seen are transient. The things that are seen are going to get burnt up. The things that are seen are not eternal. The things that are seen are hopeless in an eternal sense. But the things that are unseen are eternal. And so friends, if, if you're not sure if faith and hope are enough for 2024... Paul brings out the big guns. Yeah. He's, he's going to bring his killer argument now. Are we ready for this? Maybe you're thinking, I'm not sure I'd like the idea of suffering. Let's, let, let's just wait. You see, the last point seals the deal and, and puts it all beyond doubt. Faith and hope, friends, are possible because of love. This is it. And you might be thinking, I, I don't know, this all sounds rather good. I want that faith, I want that hope. But how do I? Love, love is the answer. And it says there in, in verse 5, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. You see, as I said earlier in the illustration, faith is like the switch. Grace is the mechanics to make the switch work. But love is the fuel that powers it. You don't make this happen yourselves. You don't make your faith happen yourselves. You don't make your hope happen yourselves. God's love makes it happen. 
Or to put it like that, if there was no love, there is no hope. Because without love, there's no possibility of grace. And without love, there's no possibility of justification. And without love, there is nothing to have our faith in. But friends, there is love. There is an amazing love. There is God's love. Just a little further on in that same chapter 5. But God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How can you go into 2024 with hope and faith? Because Christ died for you. Because Christ died for you. His love was showed for you because Christ died for you. Or as Jesus puts it in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We can go into 2024 in faith and in hope because God's love is for us. God's love is enabling this. God's eternal love, God's love doesn't switch on or off. God doesn't get up in the morning and look over us and think, oh, not today. God's love is seamless. God's love is unchanging. God's loved us with an everlasting, eternal love. And what's more, this love hasn't just been demonstrated to us in history by Jesus coming and dying on the cross for the sins of his people. It has become part of us through the Holy Spirit. Do you get this, friends? This is what we've been looking at when we're thinking of of the gifts of the Spirit and thinking of of, of the common and the natural and, and, and the saving. And this saving grace is for each and every one of you who is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And it's this that God's love has been poured out into your hearts. And how has it been poured out? It's been poured out through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been given to you. How can you survive 2024? Because Christ has died for you. And His love has been poured out into you. And the Holy Spirit is there with you. And through the presence of the Holy Spirit, every believer experiences God's love. And so that means you can have hope no matter the circumstance. In those circumstances when everything seems to be going wrong, it does not change the fact that God has loved you with an everlasting love and the Holy Spirit is with you. It might feel like it at times, yes? It might feel like things are going wrong. It might feel like God doesn't love you. But He does because His love is unchanging and His character is unchanging. And as you go in, there is hope for you. And the faith we need is a faith that he gives. And he does it because he loves. It could be that you're sat there thinking, 2024 is going to be my amazing year. Everything is going to collide and come together. The degrees, the masters, the PhD will happen. The visa application will go forward. The scholarship will be gained. I'll be going to the promised land of America, Canada, the UK, Europe, or wherever it is you have in your mind. And when you get there, the perfect partner will be waiting for you, and they will say yes, and you will get married in a whirlwind marriage. 
And at the same time, you will fall into a job that's paying you more money than you can imagine. And maybe that's what you are imagining, yes. And so I want to put you in a time machine to this time next year. And if that's all that you've been living for, friends, you've just got memories. And you'll have to do it all over again. But if you are justified and your hope is in the glory of God, no matter how bad or how good 2024 turns out to be, this time next year, you will have endured You will have character and you will have hope and your hope will live on. And this time next year, no matter how difficult it may have turned out for you, you will go forward in the same way and with the same hope because this hope will live to take you on beyond 2026 and beyond because It's in the glory of God and not the things of man. And so friends, our greatest desire for you as you go into 2024 is knowing this faith and hope and love for yourself. And the challenge of this passage is exactly that. If you're not going into 2024 in faith and hope and love, as explained by this passage, you've got nothing. And what you reality have got is an eternity without God and His wrath upon you. And so my urgent call to you this morning is if you haven't called upon the name of the Lord, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you come to Him now. You ask Him for that face. You ask Him to give you His hope. You ask Him to show you His love in a real personal way for yourself so that you realize for yourself Christ died for your sins. And you become a child of His. And you walk in faith, hope, and love. And for those of you that are going into this new year as believers, don't get sucked away by the world. There is no hope there. Go into this new year with a new commitment to this faith, hope, and love that you have through Christ alone. Amen.